Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to encourage you to turn to Genesis chapter you can turn to 36 because we we'll, might make a couple of references to that, but we're going to be primarily in Genesis 37. Um, and as you're doing that, just a reminder of what we saw last week. Last week, two very important points. Uh, I talked with a few people throughout the week and just kind of reminded them of these points, some of the things that we were talking about. And uh, the first thing was that assurance is rooted in God's Word. And we can talk about everything, anywhere from assurance of, of salvation to assurance of what God has promised us, assurance of, of what's going to go on in the world or what God's going to do. I mean, all these things, again, we find assurance, and it's rooted only in God's Word. Nothing in this world, temporally, can we stand on it. We can stand on the eternal Word of God. And so uh, the second thing is this. Affliction doesn't alter God's covenant. Affliction doesn't alter God's covenant. Just because we go through bad things or just because we go through difficult times, it doesn't mean that God has changed his covenant for his people or he's changed his promises for his people. And sometimes, again, because we're human, even as followers of Jesus Christ, we can get to those places where everything is piling on top of us and we're, we're facing things that we don't think that we can handle. And we begin to question or we begin to doubt or we begin to wonder uh, you know, why is God allowed this? Why is this going on? Again, it doesn't change what God has promised us and what he has, uh, again, covenanted with, with us to do. And so, um, so important, those two points for us to remember as we move forward. Um, but I, I want to say this as well. <coughs> We're going to get to this um, section in Scripture this morning where we kind of say goodbye to Jacob, I mean, to Joseph's lineage. If you've been here from the very beginning, uh, you know that we're, the, the, the title of this study is Life, and we're looking at the, we've looked at the lineage, we're going to look at the life, and then we'll look at the legacy of Joseph. And we have spent uh, all 24 messages in this study so far uh, on his lineage. And so we've looked at the lineage and primarily talking about Jacob, which is now uh, Israel. We know that God changed his name to Israel. And now we come to a section where we're going to look at actually the, the kind of the central figure, if you will, of our study, and that's Joseph. We're going to begin to look at his actual life. If you were here from the beginning, uh, we, we said, you know, imagine, let's go on this journey as if, as far as the legacy goes, uh, if Joseph were watching kind of those family movies and looking back and seeing his grandpa, Isaac, and, and Jacob, his dad, and just being like, oh, what are you doing, you know? And uh, well, the very first message, the very first point that we looked at was, was that all families uh, are messy or can be messy. And uh, that's, that's kind of the story of Israel. And that's, again, our study, I mean, our, our story uh, even today. Uh, we look at our lives, all of our lives, and at some point, somewhere, and some, some, somewhere, it's a mess. Uh, whether it's in our extended family or whether it's in our immediate family. And so uh, we're going to look now in this, this character of Joseph. Uh, remember, when we left off, Rachel, who was Jacob's beloved, all right, Jacob, Jacob he, was, he wanted Rachel from the very beginning. Uh, he ended up with Rachel and her sister and two other, their handmaids. Uh, so he got way more than he bargained for. Uh, but what we saw is Rachel his beloved, who is the mother of Joseph, she passed away 
in giving birth to Benjamin, which is uh, Jacob's last son uh, that, that, that he has, his youngest son. And again, we saw uh, that that was an end of an era, if you will, because we saw Deborah pass away, which was his mother's nurse. We saw, again, uh, the death of Rachel. And we also saw Isaac, the death of Isaac. So again, we see this kind of moving uh, out of this, this chapter of their lives and into this new chapter. And um, I just want to encourage you as well with this. Uh, before we pray and, and get into this, um, we look at Benjamin, right? He was just born. His mom passes away. A very difficult situation, very difficult circumstance. Again, for Jacob, uh, his love is gone. He's got his new son, but the love of his life is gone. Um, and I, I would encourage you to remember this as we move forward. Benjamin could be almost representative of kind of like God's promises of uh, flourishing Jacob regardless of circumstances. Remember, he told Jacob when he, when he changed his name to Isaac uh, that it's still with you. The covenant is still with you. I'm still going to bless you. Uh, regardless of what you face, regardless of what you lose in this life, I'm still going to do the work that I promised to do. And uh, again, the chapter's closed uh, with Rachel. The chapter's closed uh, with Isaac, the chapter's closed. We don't know that, that Jacob ever went back and said, Dad, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, I tricked you. I fooled you. Uh, we don't know any of those things. Uh, but th those chapters are gone now. And so now we move into this uh, new season. Look at Joseph's life and see what we can learn uh, in this, this morning. So let's pray and we'll get into that. Father, thank you again for this time. Thank you for uh, all that you do. Lord, as we've sung these songs this morning uh, about Hosanna. Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, we, we are so excited that, that you came. It's, it's, it's something that we could not truly, I think, wrap our minds and our hearts around in these, in these earthly bodies. But God, it's an amazing thought to think that you would love us so much that you would die in our place. God, you would die for our sins, th sins that we've committed against you, you would pay the price for. It's just a, an amazing thought that you would love us so much to uh, be clothed in the form, the fashion of your own creation, uh, to walk on this earth and to be that sacrifice. Uh, it, it's so amazing. And, and again, we, we are so excited to see you uh, face to face. We're so excited for your second coming. And, and I pray that we would live with that excitement, we would live with that praise in our lives. And uh, again, as, as Brother Jeffrey was uh, saying earlier, Lord, that we would use this opportunity uh, to proclaim uh, that you, you came, that Jesus is the Messiah, the answer, uh, the sacrifice. And uh, Lord, that you would uh, give to us a great harvest uh, in this season, harvest of souls and uh, for your kingdom. Lord, just move now, use me as a vessel. Your word go forth and, and uh, let us respond rightly. We'll praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, <clears throat> you know, sometimes the, the path of God and accomplishing his plan in our lives and through our lives, and even in keeping his promises, as we, we, we referred to a while ago, um, includes the things that I just talked about. Uh, it includes loss. It includes suffering. It includes affliction. It includes hurt and heartache and heartbreak. Uh, 
Uh, again, the path of accomplishing God's will, the path uh, of, of accomplishing God's plan, and, and Him accomplishing that in our lives and through our lives, it's not this, this hunky-dory, um, perfect, uh, comfortable existence. It doesn't look like that in this world right now. Nowhere in Scripture do we see that. Well, where we do see that in, in Scripture for, for the people of God is after this life where he wipes away all tears and there's no heartache and there's no hurt and there's no death and Christ is the light. That's where we see, that's our, that's our, that's our confident expectation, that's our hope is this, this world to come, this new heaven, this new earth that he is going to make for us, his people. But right now in this world where, where, where sin still exists, where we still have the, the fallen man and, and, and the, the consequences of fallen man, all around us and we're all subject to us the reality is as we strive to do god's will and as we are are doing and obeying god's will that path is a difficult path but just like with anything worthwhile and even more than anything worthwhile in this in this world that path leads to the greatest reward ever and so when we live this life of obedience, say, man, I just don't know if I want to continue on. I don't know if I want to keep pressing on. I don't know if I want to keep being faithful. Again, we look at our scriptures, we look, we look at our story and our study, and we see it is worthwhile. Even through there's, there's been failure and loss and affliction and, 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 and all those things, it's worth it. God leads us lovingly along the path with his grace and his mercy. And sometimes it's hard and it hurts. And you lose the love of your life. And, and, you, and, and you, you lose your, 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 uh, some things that are precious in your life. But it doesn't change, again, the goodness of God. It just brings to reality the fallen world we live in. And how desperate it is that not even the children of God are immune to it. We're all subject to the consequences of this fallen world. And so in we move forward in this and we see uh, in chapter 36 <clears throat> the lineage and, and the background of Esau. And, and, and I, I prayed about this and I, I, I don't want to necessarily go through this whole chapter. You can, you can read it and study it in your own time and, and kind of see some of the descendants if you would like. Um, but I, I will say this, it's important to Israel's future and also to, to our study uh, to point out a certain theme in chapter 36, if you will. Uh, and that is even found in, in verse 1. It says this, Now these are the generations of Esau. Uh, who is Edom? Another theme that's clear uh, is that Esau and his children were in the land, and Jacob was out of the land, and Jacob comes into the land and stays. Esau goes out of the land and doesn't stay. Um, and the reason why that's important, because Esau, like, like Lot, left for a greener, more eastern um, piece of land, if you will, not necessarily the promised land. And Jacob remains there in the promised land. Another interesting thing about the fact that, that uh, Esau leaves the land and, and, and goes in, in what we know as Edom is this. Is they, we learn in chapter 36 that they both couldn't live in this area together. Um, and and that's, it's an interesting thing as well. Uh, but as the foundation of Esau's gene genealogy uh, is laid, and we understand that there was a separation, and, and we don't know, uh, did, did, did they kind of leave it where they left it when they went their own ways after they had reconciled? 
or was there any more communication? Again, certain things that the Bible is silent on, uh, we can assume, uh, we can try to, to draw certain uh, um, logical conclusions, if you will. We just don't know the situation. What we do know is they both couldn't live in the land together. So Jacob remains in what is Canaan land, the, uh, Canaan land, the, the, the land that he told Abraham to go to, the promised land. And, uh, and so we move from that, this genealogy, into chapter 37, where we're going to see uh, what we have this morning in our, in, in our points. And so chapter 37, if you have your Bibles there, verse 1 says this, And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, his brothers, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. Or, you know, the, these were the handmaidens of Leah and Rachel, okay? And so these were some of the older sons, uh, if you will, uh, of, of Jacob, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Again, I said, I said a while ago, uh, from the very first message, we saw that all of our families can be messed up. Uh, every single one of our families, you look at it some form or fashion, some way, our families are messed up. Again, that's another example that we live in this fallen world. Regardless of where you are, you, your, your whole family may be believers in Jesus Christ, but the reality is there's a mess somehow, some way. Uh, somewhere because of what we live in but what we see here is that Joseph had some knowledge of this messed up lineage he had some knowledge of where he was uh, of what God's will was and I think this helped prepare him uh, for the journey of life ahead uh, you know this <laughs> I've got this really messed up life and and now this is going to prepare me or at least it should have prepared him for what it for what is ahead. I think that's the case for us as well. You got a messed up family, you got a messed up background, that should help you go a better direction, right? Amen? When, when I was, I've shared this before, when I was younger, I had the privilege of having older brothers. And part of the privilege of having older brothers is you can see them make certain mistakes and they get corrected for those mistakes. And then so as a younger brother, you see those mistakes and those corrections and you say, I'm good. I get it, <laughs> you know. I don't have to go down that road. I see what happens when you do these things, <laughs> you know. Uh, and so uh, that was one of the, the benefits. Joseph, similarly, had older brothers. He had one younger brother, but he had older brothers. And so he could, he could be prepared to see, you know, this is, you know, I, I, I heard about, I saw what they did uh, there in Shechem. It was wrong. Uh, Dad got on to him, whatever. Um, and so these are the things that, that, that he could be prepared for. Again, as I said a while ago, we live in this fallen world. And when we experience this, whether it's in our family or outside of our family, we have to understand all of our confidence, all of our assurance, all of our direction has to come from that unchanging word of God. And so again, for Joseph, it was similar. He could have said, listen, my older brothers are going this wrong way. Uh, my, 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 my family's messed up. Esau left for the east. I mean, there, there's so much mess in my family too. Joseph could have gone right down that same path. But we see a little bit something different with him. 
We see that when he sees wrong, he reports it. When he sees that his brothers are not doing what they're supposed to do or doing something wrong, he brings that evil report, that bad report, back to his dad. Now, some people can say, well, well so he was tattling. I mean, you could take it however you want to take it, but what he saw was there was something wrong. Maybe there was a, an expectation, a command. There was a responsibility given to him and his brothers, his older brothers. And as the younger brother, maybe seeing the older brothers take advantage of the situation or not carry out the responsibilities that they were given, he brings back to his dad and says, whatever. <laughs> they're not doing what they're supposed to do. They're, they're taking advantage. They're, they're padding their own pockets. Whatever the case may be, he brings this back and he feels the responsibility to report that something's not right. I was talking uh, the other day to somebody uh, working out at the, at the gym, and, and, and actually two different people. And uh, one of them was a guy, one of them was, was a lady. And the guy asked the lady how their, their Thanksgiving was. And the lady said that her family didn't really do Thanksgiving this year. Uh, that they, uh, that her, her family actually did uh, Friendsgiving. Which, how new is that? Is that fairly new? Somewhat new, kind of new, yeah? Okay, that's what I thought, because I was like, hmm, Friendsgiving. Seems like I've heard that before, maybe not. Very, very, fairly new uh, concept, but uh, so they did uh, Friendsgiving. And the guy immediately said, oh, is your, is your family too far away, or is it just too much drama? And she was like, so like, there's, there's two things that like threw it right out there, you know. Why did you not do Thanksgiving with your family? And she kind of answered, yeah, both. And uh, she said, well, our family is like 200 miles away, which I'm thinking, 200 miles is not super far, you know, for, for, for Thanksgiving. A lot of people drive further than that for Thanksgiving. Um, but then she began to explain, you know, they began to kind of go back and forth. Oh, yeah, because when at the end of, uh, of, of Friendsgiving, everybody goes home and you don't really have any of the drama. You just, you know, raise your glasses and say, see you later, you know. And, and, uh, and, and she's like, yeah, nobody's sleeping on your couch. And. And, 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 and there's no um, um, passive-aggressive comments and, and, and weird, awkward situations with this person and that person. And, and uh, the, then the guy began to say, you know, hey, uh, that's exactly what, man, we had a, an interesting Thanksgiving yet again. I mean, it's just those passive-aggressive statements made. And, and like, why do we have to be like this during Thanksgiving? Why does it have to be like this, you know? And, and uh, I'm just sitting there working out and, and kind of just uh, smirking. Um, but um, I just thought, that's crazy. N not that what they were saying was wrong, but I just began to think about that process of that's the way it is. Not, maybe not for you. Maybe you're, you're, you know, you've never experienced like that at any point in any part of your family. Every time you get together with your family, it's all amazing. <laughs> okay, that's what I thought. So... <laughs> For the most part, every one of us in, in some area of our family have had something like that where we're like, why does it have to be like this? You know, why, why do we deal with this? Why is this, who invited her? No, I'm just, <laughs> who invited him, you know? Um, but it's crazy that we have that in our families, right? Again, just remember, all of our families are messed up. But I think that we can find some of the answers to some of these questions or why it might be so crazy 
uh, in this, this, this study of Joseph's life. Um, but what we're going to see in this next verse, in, in chapter 37, uh, something that Joseph knew, again, evidently bringing this report against his brothers, something that wasn't right, something that he was confident of, he knew, he was sure of, and he did it with the knowledge that families can be ugly. He did it knowing that his father favored him. He did it knowing that doing what he did by reporting this evil report probably wasn't going to go over well with his older brothers. Now, I can somewhat uh, relate to this situation because I've shared stories before, uh, and, and one of my brothers is, an, I don't see him, he may be doing something else, uh, older brother, he, he will talk all day long about uh, how I never got in trouble, um, which, that's not true. Wherever you're at listening, you know it's not true. You just did all the wrong, and I watched you. No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just playing. No, um, but you know what it's like when you say, hey, that's not right. And, and especially as, as a younger sibling, I, I have felt what it feel, feels like to say, uh, this needs to be righted. They're mistreating me. That's not fair or whatever. Uh, I don't think that's, I share that to say, I don't think that's the angle that Joseph was coming at. I think that as we see and we study his life and know who he is, he wasn't coming like that. Like, this is not fair. Uh, they're making me do all the work. I don't think he was doing that. I think that he was coming and bringing something that needed to be reported to his father uh, because it was wrong, because it was evil. It was, it, it was something that needed to be known. And so, again, he knew all of these things. He knew that his father favored him. He knew that his brothers despised him for that. He knew all of these things, and yet he still did it. He still did what was right. And that's point number one this morning, a good example, a good lesson for us, and that is doing the right thing is always right. Doing the right thing is always right. Regardless of the relationship, regardless of the consequences, Doing the right thing is always right. James chapter 4, verse 17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So for Joseph to know, hey, they're not doing right, and to not do right himself, that would have been sin. And the same thing for us. For us to know what to do is right and not do it, it's sin. So doing right is right all the time. It's, it's always right. You know, that, 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 that verse is also worded like this. I have another uh, translation. says, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it's sin. In Genesis chapter th uh, 37, verse 3, again, this is where we see what Joseph already knew, what the family situation was. It says in verse 3, now Israel, which is, again, Jacob, loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, of, of Jacob's old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. Now, to us, you may say, like if your parent came to say, I love you so much, I made you a coat of many colors. Us in our culture today, we would say, no thanks, you know, a coat of many colors. Can't you just give me like a black one or a brown one? Yeah, we get like all these patches and different colors and stuff. But uh, this was uh, something different in this culture, uh, honor, love, affection. Uh, it was, it was uh, kind of a, an elaborate expression of those things. And so uh, for him to have that coat, and can you imagine every time 
Uh, the, now, this, just go with me on this. It's kind of one of those thoughts that, that I have, right? And especially being a young brother, I can, I can associate a little bit with Joseph. Maybe not as righteous as him, but I, I, I can, I can in, in my 2018 brain, here's kind of where I go. Like, I got the coat, and this is awesome. It's amazing knowing that the, the dad is, is favoring me more than everybody else. Every time I went to get dressed, I don't know that I'd put that jacket on. But you know, as soon as you walked out, especially if you were going to go somewhere with the family, Jacob would be like, son, where's the coat I made you? <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. Uh, let me go get it, you know. Go, go put it on, walk out there. And all the older brothers. <laughs> you know, that, just kind of the way that, that we, we and, and, and that's similar, I think, to what was going on. I don't know about Joseph. Maybe he wore it around and there was this, uh, this Eastern, Middle Eastern uh, affection that they have, which is different than our Western culture and our Western affection, especially here in the 21st century. And so... Um, there, there may have been this great affection with, with father and son there, and Joseph uh, wore it as that expression, that love expression back to his dad um, and, and, and as a, an allegiance to him, if you will. Um, but again, Joseph knew the situation. He knew that his father uh, loved him the most. He knew that, he, again, as the second youngest, Benjamin only being uh, younger than him, that he was kind of in a, in a bad spot. As far as his family went. So there obviously would be a temptation for Joseph both ways to, to act or, or to, to, to respond in the flesh in, in a sinful way. The first way is this. He could embellish the situation and flaunt this situation in their faces. That would be sinful and fleshly, right? Anytime they were like, Joseph, you're sorry, man. You don't, he'd just walk into his closet and be like, mm. Jacket, colorful jacket, see it, guys? You know, he could flaunt it around, or, or, or they could be, you know, uh, picking on him. Maybe they're playing some type of game out, in, in, you know, and, and, and Jacob would be like, hey, hey, or Joseph would be like, hang on one second, I, I forgot something. Run inside, run back outside with the jacket on, you know? All right, let's play, you know? Like, I'm not picking Joseph, you know? Neither am I. So... Anyways, he could have embellished, he could have flaunted this situation, flaunted this circumstance, uh, and that would have been fleshly and sinful. But the other way that he could have responded sinfully to this is to avoid doing what was right in effort to keep his older brothers pacified. You get that? So he could have done it sinfully on one side and, 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 and boasted and bragged and, and, and flaunted in front of their faces and made them even feel worse or made them feel even provoke their jealousy and envy even more. Or he could have said, you know what, I'm, I'm not even going to tell dad about this. I'm not even going because I, I, I want to I be cool with, 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 with my older brothers. And I will say this, it's still a temptation today that not only face families, in every capacity of our life. Work, friends, right? There, there may be some of you that have friends uh, that may be not believers, or maybe they are, uh, maybe they are believers, but they're not pursuing Christ, and, 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 and you know what the right things to say and to do are, but sometimes just to keep them pacified, you don't say it or you don't do it. Again, doing the right thing 
is always right. People in our culture still have a tendency to do both of these things, uh, to parade things around, right? You don't have to watch TV very long. You don't have to watch award shows very long. You don't have to, you don't have to really be engaged in, in pop culture a whole lot to realize that's exactly what the world is trying to promote. Flaunt it. Flaunt whatever it is. Money, body, uh, relation. Flaunt it all. Extravagance. Who has the most is the best, right? Net worth, house value, cars and garage, you know, all those things. Oh my goodness, you know, look at all this. Again, that's what our world is, is, is promoting, especially with Hollywood and the, and the music culture, right? You got that whole side of the music culture that, that flaunts that as well, a certain lifestyle uh, and, and all that kind of stuff. On the other hand, we also have, whether it's in politics or in government, in, in, in other ways, uh, local government or whatever, there's plenty of examples of people passing the buck, right? In, in corporate world, in your job, people avoiding responsibilities, people in the workplace saying, you know what, I'm just not, not going to deal with it because I, I don't want to deal with the, the office politics, so I'm not going to do what's right. I'm just going to avoid the situation. I'm just going to keep my mouth closed, keep my head down, and, and plow my row. Again, <clears throat> there's a lot of people that are willing to avoid doing what's right, even when it's in the face of critics or criticism. This avoiding responsibility has been in the bloodstream, though. Shouldn't be something of a surprise to us. You experience it at your job, you experience it in your family. You experience it, you see it on TV, you see it in politics, people avoiding responsibility. Well, I wouldn't have to deal with this if, if the previous president, if I wouldn't have to, to deal with this if the previous Congress, or I would have, you know, people passing the buck and, and saying that. Again, it's been in the bloodstream of mankind since the very fall of man, right? What happened when, when God came uh, to, to, give an, uh, to get, get an account from Adam? What did he say? It's a woman. Look, I would be fine. I wouldn't have eaten that fruit. God, but you gave me the woman, and she made me eat it. He tried to put the responsibility, and then the woman, what did she do? Look, it wasn't, it, it's not all my fault, it's the serpent's fault. He, he tricked me. Again, it's been in the bloodstream of mankind since the fall of man. But here's where, as a pastor and as Christians, I think we should be really, really concerned. There's too many men and too many fathers, too many husbands that are doing that in their lives today. Shucking the responsibility, doing what's right. Well, I, I would be a better husband if she was a better wife. Well, I would be a better father if I didn't have to work so much. I would... I, I would Again, there's, there's, there's too much of us, again, avoiding the responsibilities. Don't get me wrong, there's, there's women and young, young people that do this just as much. I would, I would submit to him if he would do this. We need to make sure that we remember this. If the Lord has given us a responsibility and a privilege to serve him, to obey him, uh, then this is the truth. We have to do so. It's a privilege. It's an aw awesome responsibility. 
What does that look like, though? That means doing what's right in his sight. Not doing what's right according to self. Not doing what's right according to others. Not doing what's right according to the world system. But doing what's right in his eyes. Again, doing what's right is always right. I want to say this, and I'm, I'm probably going to wrap up this morning just with point one. Um, doing what's right is always right, but it has to be done with wisdom and discretion. And what I mean by that is you have to make sure and have wisdom and discretion in doing what's right or saying what's right, and it has to be done with a proper posture of heart. What I mean by that is you, you may say something to your boss about something that's wrong, and you know that the implications may mean that the other coworkers are going to blackball you. They're going to ostracize you. You're no longer going to be a part of their conversations or anything else, and they're going to be looking to try to catch you in anything wrong that you do. You know the, 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 the ramifications of what you do. Here's what I'm saying. The wrong posture of heart would be, well, if I do this, then I'll get the promotion. Well, if I say something about this, then they're going to look really bad. Wrong motives, wrong posture of the heart. The reason we should do what's right, if they're embezzling money, if they're, if they're lying and, and, and not doing the work they're supposed to, if the company is suffering and, and they're just trying to take advantage of the situation, the reason why we would say something to our boss is because it's the right thing to do, but it's to be done with wisdom and discretion and with the heart of wanting right to win. Again, it has to, it has to be done with those things because, again, our heart is, is, is judged. But what does wisdom and discretion look like? It doesn't mean it's good or right to uh, point out that someone is needing to fix something or change something in front of everybody to embarrass them and then just say, I was just doing the right thing, right? <clears throat> you ever seen somebody walk out of the bathroom with toilet paper on their foot? Have you been the person with toilet paper on your foot? <laughs> what about flies being undone? Or boogers on the nose? <laughs> everybody automatically, everybody... No. <laughs> There's about 50 people that no, just <laughs> We don't do the right thing and make a public display of it to embarrass them or, or you know, uh, I don't really like this person. I, I don't really, uh, this, this person at my job or this person in my family or this person in the church, they get on my nerves or this or that. And so uh, I, I'm just going to embarrass them. I'm going to mess with them. I just, I just don't really like them or whatever. Again, we don't do it to make a public display. It's not exactly the same as right, wrong things per se. Uh, but again, just an example of what wisdom and discretion looks like. 
Remember what scriptures say, and this is the last scripture that we'll look at. We'll close. Romans chapter 12, written to Roman Christians in the context of this hostile, uh, powerful government of Rome. Paul gives these Christian responsibilities to Christians in the midst of a hostile environment towards Christianity and, and, and in a government period. And so look what it says, verse 14. Bless them which persecute you. Completely opposite of what the world says. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Do you hear that? Rejoice with them that are rejoicing and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things. Don't, don't do that, but condescend to men of low estate. Humble people. Be not wise in your own conceits, your own thoughts. And recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest or sincere in the sight of all men. Just live sincerely. If it be possible, as much as life within you, live peaceably with all men. As much as within your power, live peaceable with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it's written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thy enemy hunger, feed him. If you thirst, give him drink. For doing so, you're going to heap coals, uh, heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. As the people of God, we have a responsibility to do what's right. And that's always right. Again, whether it's your family, whether it's in the church, whether it's at, at your job, whether it's in uh, the, 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 the store, whether it's on the highway. <clears throat> I, I've shared a little bit of this before. And I, I just, I, I digress for a second. Just, <laughs> here's, here's some of my struggles I, I wanted to put out uh, something on Facebook, but then I started thinking I can't stand it when there are like just passive-aggressive statements made or just kind of um, statements like, um, but I really wanted to put it out there because I felt like it was a public service issue. <laughs> I did, and a public safety issue. Like maybe this is something God's put on my heart to help everybody I, or whoever sees it, Okay. This is just, this is kind of where I was. And so I, there was a battle of, the so, so I'm not wonderful at social media, but I, I was thinking, well, maybe outside of scripture and, and, and stuff that, that we do as a family or stuff the church is doing, uh, I, I'll do a public service announcement. And maybe just more of a, not necessarily an announcement, but an inquiry that would turn into a public service announcement that would help everybody on the roads. And then here are the questions. Very simple questions. And I really wondered this. Maybe some of the younger people in here who just got their license or are studying to get their license could help with this. But at some point in time in Texas driving law, in the recent years, since the last 20-something, however many years I've been driving, did they change uh, uh, the rules on blinkers? Is it still in the book? It's in the book? Okay. Just wondering. So it's either, it's either uh, so here's my, my theory. Most people, I think, are not using their blinkers today because they drive like this now. Right? If they move their hand on the side, they could do both. No. <laughs> but... Um, it, so, blinkers, they're still legal. I mean, they're supposed, they're, you're supposed to use blinker, right? 100 feet before you turn? 
Okay, just making sure. That, that's important. So we should have like a poll on Facebook, right? Or, or say something. We should, so, like I could put it out there and say, are blinkers still required for making turns? And everybody could go on there and say, yes. Make a link to the Texas Department of Transportation <laughs> where it's in there. You, you could all jump on board and we could help everybody out, right? Everybody could be reminded you're still supposed to use your blinker. Right? Because you're sitting on a stop sign and here they come. And you hear, oh my goodness, here comes the rest of the people and you need to go. But you're not quite sure if this person's going to turn or they're going to keep going straight. You need to go that way. And so you're, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. And they get close enough to turn and they start turning and you see them. <laughs> oh, wait, you know. That's number one. Number two is, is right up there with it. Again, a personal struggle of mine. Another question. Y'all can answer this for me. Is it still, it are, so they, they have this in the driver's education, right? They have this section about uh, street signs, right? You're supposed to observe every street sign, right? Is that correct? Okay. They, uh, they're still, are they still making, or, or at some point in time, did they make the yield sign null and void? Like, are they starting to take them out of the ground? Oh, hey, we have police officers here. Is it still required to yield law? Oh, okay, okay. So that is, that's important, right? I just need to make sure because I thought I've been losing my mind the last couple years. Like, I did not get the email. Like, did the Texas Department of Transportation send it out? everybody's supposed to stop yielding and stop using their blinkers? Is it, is it subject to preference or <laughs> availability? Or I mean, I, I don't know. Anyways. You just got that for free. <laughs> Anyways, um, to do what's right is always right. And um, I, I want to encourage you this morning, uh, man, if, if there's a situation at work, situation at your, at, 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 with your family, a situation, even in the church, uh, let's make sure that this resonates in our lives. Uh, again, Romans chapter 12, if it's possible, live peaceably with all men. Let's make sure that we are doing right. Again, Joseph knew his brothers had this problem with him. Joseph knew uh, all of these things. And yet he still did right. And so I want to encourage you this morning. Let's, let's take that with us. Doing right is always right. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for, again, this morning. And Lord, I know that um, I don't always do that. We all don't always do that, Lord. Um, but we realize that that's what we've been called to do, is to be obedient, to live lives that are um, pursuing you, to yield our lives to you. And so, Lord, I, I pray that you would um, just work in our lives. Maybe there's somebody here, maybe there's several people here this morning that are dealing with something at work. Um, I pray that they would just seek your face and, and seek your wisdom on how to handle that uh, if there's something wrong. I, I pray if, if there's something wrong in families uh, that need to be uh, made right, that they would be made right. Lord, help us be your people like Joseph. 
to do right always. And um, Lord, regardless of, of, of how people may treat us after that, regardless of, of the consequences, even as we'll see in our study, Lord, help us be those people. And if there's somebody here this morning, Lord, that has never experienced a life change, they've never surrendered their life to you, if they were asked this morning where they would spend eternity, they wouldn't be able to give a 100% sure answer. Lord, if there's somebody like that, I pray that they would come this morning and talk to someone here at the altar. Lord, that could show them out of your word how they can be 100% sure they're going to heaven when they die. Lord, as we saw earlier, you loved us so much that you sent your son to die for us. He rose again on the third day, and it's only through that sacrifice, only through him, that we can have eternal life. And so if someone's never trusted you like that, never surrendered their life like that, Maybe they're trying to just do right. Maybe they're trying to be good, but they've never given their life to you. I pray they would come this morning and receive that free gift of salvation. Lord, just move now in this invitation, and we'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name.